Welcome to Hope Church Online. That's right. Hey, um, the weather may stop us from gathering in person, but it's not going to stop us from gathering online. So thank you so much for being there online. And we are so thankful that you are there. We are disappointed that we weren't able to gather this morning. We are kicking off a brand new teaching series. I'll get into that in just a moment. But here's the thing that I want every one of us, every person who considers Hope Church their church, please, will you hear this? And won't you ask God? Won't you ask God um, here? You know, we're still at the, at the front end of this brand new year. It's 2024, and God wants to use you to make an impact in somebody else's life. And here's what we have. We have an opportunity for you to impact another person's life, whether that is a student, an elementary age student, a high school or junior high student. Maybe it's a baby, an infant. Uh, maybe it's another adult. Um, the, we are creating a lot of opportunities for God to use you to impact somebody else. How are we doing that? Well, we're going to three services on it's February the 11th on Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We're, we are moving to three services. Why? Because we continue uh, to fill up. You saw what happened at Christmas Eve. You guys did amazing at capturing the vision of inviting uh, those people that you care about. You invited them to come with you. And we filled up to capacity, like there was no more capacity at all three of those services. And it was amazing. And what we are doing is we are creating more seats for you to do that on a regular basis. And we need you to serve. We need you to allow God to use you in the life of somebody else by jumping in and serving somewhere. So will you seriously Ask God, God, what area do you want to use me to impact another person's life, another family's life? And will you take this coming week and just ask God, God, where is it? Where is it? You know, um, you could say, God, you know, at Hope Church, that we're going to three services and there's going to be all these opportunities. So where do you want to use me? I, I'm trusting that you are going to take this serious and that if you're not serving in any place and you're just coming on Sunday, we're asking you to take that next step. And you know what? This is going to be beneficial for you. God's going to use you in somebody else's life. God's going to use you. You're going to get connected. Maybe you've been coming for several months or maybe even a year and you just don't feel connected. Well, you need to take this next step in serving. And God will use you. Is it going to be amazing um, in your life and in the life of other people? So um, we want to uh, transition into our teaching series now. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series today. We are so, so thankful um, for our friend and pastor Enoch Lau um, from Boston, 
He's a pastor there right in Chinatown at the Chinese uh, uh, um, Evangelical Church. And he is an amazing uh, uh, pastor. He's an amazing uh, Bible teacher. And we had invited him. He was already scheduled to come down. But obviously, because of the weather, he's not able uh, to be here in person live. And But he was. This didn't stop us. He was able to still bring this teaching. And I'm trusting that God's going to use it in your life as we walk into relationship goals. Relationship goals. What we're doing is looking at every every area of our life, every relationship, because we all have relationships that have impacted us in a positive or a negative way. But as we look at our relationships, there's definitely areas that we can get better at, that we can improve. And that's what we want to do over the next several weeks. We're going to look at all different areas of relationships and look at how can we build healthy habits? How can we develop skills to have better relationships? Because I know I need that. And I know uh, that it would be so helpful for so many of you. So this morning... Won't you welcome with me, Enoch Lau. Good morning and Happy New Year in this January 2024. Uh, My name is Enoch. I'm one of the pastors at Boston Chinese Evangelical Church. And it's a joy and pleasure for me to be able to share God's word with you, the Hope Rhode Island uh, family uh, here in 2024. I would have loved to have been there in person, but with the snowstorm, What a way to kick off 2024. But we will not be deterred from worshiping God, seeking to gather even virtually as a church family, and to hear God's word together. So uh, we're starting off a new sermon series on healthy relationships here at Hope Rhode Island. And I think it's a great idea because God cares about all the relationships so much because God cares about every single person. So I've been assigned this opening sermon series, uh, the opening message for the sermon series about healthy relationships. And we're gonna begin by looking at a passage in the Old Testament uh, from the book of Psalms, chapter 141. So Psalm 141. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. If you have a Bible, you can join me at Psalm 141, verse 1. Otherwise, you can just listen along. Uh, Perhaps it'll show up on the screen in a future recording of this video. But I'm going to read for us Psalm 141, verses 1 through the end of the entire chapter. It's not that long, so you can hang in there with us. As we hear God's word, let's turn our hearts and give it the proper attention because God is speaking to us through his word. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 141, beginning in verse 1. A Psalm of David. I call to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so that I take part in wicked deeds, along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. They will say, as one plows and breaks the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me as we begin our time in the sermon together? 
Gracious Father, as we turn our hearts now to the Word of God, we pray that your Spirit would illuminate us, help us to uh, be open and receptive, help us to see connections to our lives and our relationships, and most importantly, soften our hearts and make them malleable and make it moldable in your good and strong hands that we might be benefited, that we might become more like Christ through this. And Father, for those of us who maybe don't go to church regularly, we're kicking off 2024, maybe going to church for the first time or going back to church, or if this is our regular church family here at Hope, we pray that you would help us to be hungry and and eager to receive from you and your spirit. Now we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 141 begins with two verses, which is about David, who's the writer here, the King David of the Old Testament, he's, he's urgent and he's pleading with God. It begins, oh God, hear my prayers. I'm crying out to you. And let me hear, read that again. So I just want you to get the urgency by which David is calling out to the Lord. It says in verse 1, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. So before we move on, I just want us to get the sense here. David is penning this psalm. He's composing it. And it begins with two verses of urgency. God, please come to me. I have something I want to cry out to you. And what he's going to cry out to is he's going to cry out to God to keep him from evil, to protect him from evil. And I think that's an appropriate thought we might want to have for the start of a new year. God is going to enter 2024, protect me from evil, keep me from evil. And as we're thinking about uh, this new sermon series on healthy relationships, I think this is also a very good foundational way to start. Maybe there are other great ways to start, but here's one thought for us, that there is an evil that threatens every relationship out there Every relationship that you and I can ever be a part of, there's this evil. And David is saying, there's this evil. And God, my prayer that you would come quickly and hear me and answer me is keep me, protect me from this evil that not only undoes the world, but is harmful and dangerous to our relationships. There are three points I'd like to share from the Word of God this morning, depending on whenever you watch this sermon video online. But the three points are this. Number one, David's going to tell us, and we're going to see, number one, what is this great evil? that David desperately wants God to protect him from. The first point is, what is this great evil that God wants to protect David from? Number two, we're going to see how does God deem to protect us from this evil? There might be other ways, but in this passage, what is God's preferred method of protection for you, for me? What is the preferred protection David's going to ask for to help protect him and his relationships from this evil. So number one, what is this great profound evil that harms not only the world, but this evil that could harm and threaten our relationships from being healthy as God intends? Number two, uh, what is this method that God will use to help us be protected from this great evil? And then number three, why is it that you and I can count on God for that protection? Why can we be sure that God is going to listen to us when we ask him for this. So three points again. Number one, what is this great evil that threatens our healthy relationships? Number two, how does God protect us from this evil that threatens our healthy relationships? And number three, why we can have hope and assurance that God is going to do that and be faithful to his word. So firstly, we've begun by noting the Psalm, Psalm 141 verses one to two, speak with urgency. David is crying out to God, God, hear me, come quickly, heed my prayer, respond, listen to me, and keep me from this evil. So now we're going to see what is this great evil? What is this great threat? I mean, can we legislate against it? Can we regulate? Can we, I don't know, get a vaccine? Like, what is this great evil that David is desperately, desperately crying out to God to protect him from? We see now this evil that God wants, that David wants God to protect him from in terms of 
protecting the healthy relationships in Psalm 141, verse 3. So look at verse 3 where it says this. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil uh, so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Now that might seem strange because I just talked about how David is praying to God, God, please protect me from this great evil that threatens to endanger or harm not only our world, but our healthy relationships. So what is this great evil that David says, God, heed my call, come quickly. I need your help with this protection. The great evil is not something out there. The great evil David yearns for God's protection from is an evil that is in here. It's not an evil that will be committed against me. David is saying, God, the great evil I'm aware of in every one of my relationships is an evil that could be committed by me. It's not those people threatening my relationships from the external or outside world. It's the internal, selfish, broken, hasty, insensitive, cruel, selfish parts of me that could harm relationships. Basically, what is this great evil that God wants, that David wants God to protect him from? The evil is me. The greatest evil is me. Now, this might seem odd because we live in a culture that generally speaking, displaces responsibility and blame. Like, basically, if something doesn't go right or something goes wrong, there's a human inclination to sort of want to figure out what's wrong with this situation because it's not me. You know, for example, there are dogs and, and, you know, pets that seem to, you know, like do things that are undesirable behaviors. They'll jump up on people. They'll bark a lot. And people say, oh, it's just this dog. This dog just doesn't get it. It's not trainable. Now, I don't mean to be controversial in the first Sunday of the year, but based on what reading I've done from, like, Every pretty much every dog expert or trainer out there on the in the publishing or remaking videos, and based on my experience, if the dog is doing an undesirable behavior, it's usually not the dog's fault. It might be related to the dog's environment or training. I'm not trying to say you're bad dog owners, but but we have a tendency to go like, look, this dog is bad. Let me put it another way. Let's say for your New Year's resolution, or you want to go, you're going to go to an indoor tennis court or squash court. You're going to play some, you know, some, or you're going to play some pickleball, and because that's the new rage, right? So you pick up a sport, you pick up a racket, you go play, and you're playing, and and then you hit the ball, and the ball goes out bounds like way out there. You know what I would do, and I know a lot of people do. Whoa, that ball went out of bounds. They look at their racket and go, what's wrong with this racket? If you watch people. When they're playing video games, I mean, you probably don't watch them when they're playing games, you maybe, but like if someone's playing on their keyboard and their mouse and they're clicking and they're, 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 they're doing something in the video game, they're shooting things or they're defeating aliens, all of a sudden they die or something bad happens. You know what I've seen people do? I've seen people take up their computer mouse and go, what's wrong with this mouse? Maybe something's wrong with this mouse. And we have a tendency to go, hey, if something's broken, it's not me, it's, it's something else. But in all seriousness, this is very, very important when we think about our relationships. It is so easy, at least for me, I, I definitely relate to this. Like if there's a relationship that I have problems with, I've got conflict, I've got sort of bad patterns of behavior or even fighting with, it's so easy for me to say, that person is just hard to get along with. That person, she's just very difficult or he's just high maintenance or she's a drama queen or these sorts of things. What this Psalm is saying, is that the one thing that is in common with every relationship you or I will ever be in, and it is the greatest threat. <laughs> the greatest threat is not the other person or the circumstances. We need to have a spirit of humility and reality, a realistic experience, a spirit that says this, David is aware 
that he cries out to God and says, God, I need you urgently to hear my prayer to protect me from this great evil. And the great evil is me. God, would you in your power and grace keep me from evil? Some time ago, I was driving in a car with one of the students that I had the chance to disciple or mentor. And this is one of those few times where I said something remotely useful, I think. So I'm not usually the hero of my illustration, but, but uh, the, the younger guy in the car was saying, hey, Enoch. Um, I said, yeah. He's like, what is your greatest single struggle in ministry? What's the single greatest struggle for you as a pastor serving the Lord in the church? What's your single greatest struggle? And without hesitation and not trying to look or sound spiritual, I said, without hesitation, oh, that's easy. The greatest struggle I face in ministry is me. The greatest struggle I face in life is me. Or to put it another way, you know, on the pastoral staff team of my church, who is the most difficult person I have to deal with? It's me. When I'm trying to get a project done or meet some deadlines or finish something work, the greatest thing that is the greatest hindrance or obstacle is me. My attitudes, either my laziness or my procrastination or my over-focusing on perfection, all these things, my greatest struggle is me. In my marriage, what's the greatest threat to my marriage? Is it my wife's faithfulness level? She's amazing, by the way. Or is it like other people who are going to threaten my faithfulness come between us? No, I... Those things may or may not be true and may not be factors, but this passage invites us to have this spirit. The greatest threat to my marriage is me, my foibles, my weaknesses, my inconsistencies, my brokenness, my sinfulness. The Spirit of God can convict each of us with this truth. It's not about beating ourselves up, but it's about being realistic that the most single common denominator and perhaps the most challenging thing to deal with ever is me. It's myself. It's I'm the worst person to deal with I'll ever face. Jeremiah says in the book that he wrote um, in the Old Testament, who can understand the human heart is wicked and deceptive. And the Lord Jesus himself said, you know, why do you have fights and quarrels and struggles among you? Is it because you're dealing with a contentious person? No, it's not what, what's not what, um, well, it's not what Jesus says, not what James wrote in his epistle. He says, why do you have quarrels? It's because in your own desires you fight. And Jesus himself said, this is the quote, that what comes out of your mouth flows from your heart. Yes. Are there enemies that try to hurt us? Of course. Are there people that are out to get us? Probably there might be, especially in your job or career or things like that. But all those things notwithstanding, the humble, realistic spirit that this, this psalm invites us to consider is this, God, I need you to urgently hear my prayer and keep me from evil. And the, one of the greatest struggles, the greatest evils I'm going to need your help with, God, is to keep me from committing evil, from saying evil, from doing the things that I know are selfish and self-centered. Do th Keep me from saying the things I know serve my hidden agendas. Keep me from doing the things that I know are going to hurt or injure or take advantage of others. God, please keep me from the evil that I know is found possible in every fallen, broken human heart. Now, that might seem like a cheery way to start 2024, but I, I, hope it's under, I hope you can see how that's profoundly practical for the remaining of this sermon series here at Hope Church, Rhode Island, as we think about what it looks like to have healthy relationships in different dimensions of our lives. That's the common denominator in all those relationships. It's the challenges, it's the, it's the, it's the baggage that you and I bring into each of our own relationships every single time. Now, I'm not saying the other person is not at fault. I'm not saying that it is possible to, to like overly blame yourself. That's totally true, uh, I think. But the key thing here is this. 
do we ask God to protect me from the evil, not just out there that threatens to hurt me or harm me, but the evil that, that I know I will struggle with until the day I meet the Lord Jesus face to face and get a new resurrected body in a world that would be completely healed and renewed. If you want to pursue healthy relationships, one of the most profound things you can do is say, God, keep evil from my relationships by keeping me from the evil thoughts, statements, and intentions and actions that I know I'm capable of. Even the most kind and gracious person falls short of the glory of God. So that's the first point. If we're going to think about healthy relationships, what is this great evil, this great threat? Soberly, King David says, God, I need you to help me. Please keep me from the evil that I can commit. So what is the way God will choose to answer that prayer? If the first point is, what is this great evil that you and I will contend with? It's not an evil out there, but it's the evil that you and I might struggle with in our own hearts and selfish tendencies and lies those kinds of things, then point two is this. How does God protect us from the evil? What are the things that God puts in place in our lives? And again, this may seem obvious or this might seem a little bit strange, but now we're going to continue with the psalm and we're going to hear David say, okay, this is the way you will guard me and keep me from evil. Pick it up here in Psalm 141, beginning in verse 5, where we're going to look for the method. We're going to look for the strategy. We're going to look for the grace-given way that God is going to use to keep us from the evil that is in our own hearts from harming our relationships. 141, Psalm 141, verse 5 says this. David writes, Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be because the deeds of the evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. They will say as one plows and breaks over the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. This is kind of strange. This is odd. This is now David saying, okay, I've called about to God and I've cried out for his help to protect me, not just from the evil out there that threatens my healthy relationships, but the evil right in here. And what is the way he acknowledges God? What is the way he actually welcomes God to guard him from evil? It's this. David says the way to guard the evil from us from harming our healthy relationships is God help me to welcome correction. Help me to invite constructive feedback. Help me to welcome what this passage says, a strike or a blow from a righteous person. Now, in the context, what it's saying here is basically, let a righteous man strike me. That's kindness. Well, that's a weird line. Like, what does that mean? Well, in Hebrew poetry, um, they have this thing called parallelism. It's sort of like a rhyme, whereas in English, a lot of poetry has a rhyme of sound. One of the greatest uh, sort of innovations of the ancient literature, that especially the Hebrew literature, was that is great because translated to multiple languages, is it's not just a rhyme of sound, although there are sound devices in the Hebrew poetry. It's a rhyme of a thought or a rhyme of an idea. So whenever you're reading the Psalms or the Proverbs, you see a couple lines next to each other. They may be actually just sort of repeating or restating or emphasizing something. So what I mean is this. There's the first line here that says this. Let a righteous man strike me. That is kindness. That's the first line. There's a second line that in parallel helps explain the first line. What do we mean by a righteous man striking me as kindness? It says this. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. Let me not refuse it. for My prayer will still be against the deeds of evil. So an oil on the head, that, that, that might not be 
the most common thing you do to relax, but it was seen in the ancient world as a refreshment, as as a just a great thing after a long, arduous journey to have this oil, this ointment, this the fragrant aroma to take away the, the troubles from the trails and the long miles from the road. He's saying this, God, please guard me from evil. Please keep me from evil. And I know that one of the most divinely ordained ways that you want to keep me from evil is that I invite correction, that I welcome feedback. Let a righteous man strike me. And, and, you know, he's being a little poetic there. I don't think he really wants us going around getting punched by people. But he says, let him rebuke me. It's refreshing, like oil, like bathing my face. It's like a fresh drink of water. Let him rebuke me. Let him teach me something that I need to know in order for me to have healthier relationships. Some time ago also at church, um, you know, we have church in the morning and then we had lunch with people and I met up with someone after church in the afternoon. Okay, so that's the flow, like, you know, 9 a.m. worship service and there might be an 11 a.m. worship service and then there's lunch. And so I remember meeting up with a guy and a gal uh, for their couples counseling, for premarital counseling. So it's like, you know, it's like 1.30 or something like this on a Sunday. And he walks into my office with his girlfriend or fiance at the time. And, you know, she kind of, she's saying hi, saying hi. But I noticed something. I, I noticed that his zipper, his fly is down. So, you know, when he when she's kind of off in the other side of the room, and because I'm trying to, you know, be a little subtle. I'm not going to call out the guy. Say, hey, hey, bro. Hey, dude, uh, your zipper's down. And then he goes, unexpectedly goes, oh, man, my zipper's down. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I tried to be quiet just so that your girlfriend, fiance wouldn't know. And it's like, oh, man, my zipper's down. And she's like, oh, no. And I was like, this is a strange thing. What, what, I mean, what's the, you know, I, I get it. It's a little social awkward, but it's not the end of the world. He's like, you don't understand. I just saw so many people. I talked to so many people. I went up to, I was just shaking hands with a lot of people. And I just had, had lunch of people and we walked through Chinatown and like, no one told me you're the first person in the afternoon today. Cause I haven't used the restroom all morning, all afternoon. You're the first person to tell me that my zipper was down. And I said, maybe I'm the first person to notice. But he's like, no people, they must have noticed. You're just the first person to tell me. And I reflected on that, as funny and strange as that conversation is, because I guess if I had something like, you know, a vegetable sticking out of my teeth and I'm talking to people, or if I had a, can I say, a booger on my face, you know, uh, or if I, you know, had a button off or my zipper was down or something like that, I guess I would like someone to let me know. I mean, I'd like them to let me know in a subtle way, maybe if a, if a lady noticed it, maybe she could save my dignity and tell another guy. So I'm to being told by a guy that my zipper is down rather than from this other lady. But like, you know, like, I think I'd want that. In your career, in your schooling, uh, isn't it frustrating when you get like a grade that's lower than you expected? It's lower than you think you deserved. Well, the only way to ameliorate that is, you know, I got a grade that I thought, I, sh I thought I would have gotten a higher grade, but clearly I'm not making the grade. So what can I do to make this homework better? What can I do to make this paper better? What can I do to beef up the, the lab results? What, what, what can I do? And at work, same thing. If, if you want a promotion, if you're being passed over for promotions or raises, but you really have this hunger, this desire to genuinely want to get better, what's the way to go? You go, okay, I need someone to give me feedback. How can I improve at my job? How can I do better if no one gives me any feedback? And I think we understand that. I think deep down we want that. Obviously, there's a lot of skill to that art of giving feedback. There's people that can give us feedback, but it doesn't feel super great. I mean, no feedback is, you know, 
most con constructive criticism doesn't feel great at all to begin with, but at least some people seem to know how to do it in a better way. But I'm not, like, I'm not talking about gentle or not gentle. I'm talking about someone who genuinely cares about what's right and wrong and about you. This is what David means by a righteous person. He says, you know what? If someone's going to give me feedback, but that's a person who loves righteousness, who's just, who cares about people, who loves the Lord, I'm going to welcome it because it may sting. It may be unhelpful. It may be like a rebuke, but I welcome it because that is God's way to help guard me from the evil in my own heart. If I want to be better with my words and not use my words to hurt people or to break confidence, but use my words to build up, use my words to edify people, then I'm going to need someone to correct me when I use my words in a way that is not loving or helpful. And so here is this, this invitation from the Bible where it says this, the, one of the greatest dangers to every single relationship that you and I will encounter will be the broken baggage tendencies that each of us have in our own hearts. The Bible calls that sin. Some people call it fallenness or brokenness, but we have this responsibility to say, God, I know that one of the most dangerous and potentially harmful things to run relationships is me, is the evil that I am capable of. And while that I should still focus and be willing to get in relationships, um, like, well, if I really thought that I'm a great threat to relationships, you know, like, how do I even have the why would I even bother? It's because one of the, because the, the method that God gives us here to help guard our hearts from the evil is to welcome correction. So it's time to think about this. In your own relationships, if there's a relationship that you want to improve or work on for this coming year, maybe it's a marriage relationship, maybe it's a family relationship, maybe it's a neighbor relationship, maybe it's someone in your homeowner's association, right? Maybe it's an in-law, maybe it's someone at work, maybe it's someone sitting next to you right now at home or at church. Are you in a position, have you offered to someone, have you even considered giving them a blank check to say, hey, I would like to grow in my relationship with such and such a person. I think you might be someone that could help me because you can observe the things I do or say. Can you give me feedback? I would welcome correction. Have you given someone permission to do that? Have you invited that? Have you said, hey, and, and this is the challenging thing is, <laughs> The person that may be able to help you the most of feedback about how to improve a healthy relationship is the person in that relationship. Okay, if you want to be a better sibling or brother or sister, then you might have to ask your brother or sister for that feedback. I know it's vulnerable, it's scary, it's daunting, and doesn't mean they're going to be good at it either. But what God is inviting us is this. One of the greatest challenges that we're going to face in healthy relationships is not something out there. Although there, there are things out there that make our relationships challenging, it's right in here. It's the evil that I'm capable of. And one of the ways that God has prescribed and offered to us to guard us and keep us from that evil is to welcome correction. And so the practical thing for you to think of is, what is a relationship that you'd like to work on? Maybe it's a last week, or maybe you, uh, for some of us who are here online, I watched the sermon from December 31st, like what's a prayer we're hoping to give? What's a do-over we want to get? Maybe a do-over, well, a start-over you want is a relationship. What is a relationship that you would say, God, if I could just improve this relationship by your grace with your help, that'd be wonderful for this year. What is that relationship? The second thing would be to think this, okay, just like I might, if I were trying to improve in a sport or a skill, like trying to get better at basketball or trying to get better at dancing, trying to get better at cooking or trying to get better at my job, I would need feedback. How much more so would we benefit from feedback 
especially constructive feedback from a heart, heartful, righteous, caring person to give us correction about our relationships. So, I mean, that's, that's the invitation. But if you stop and think about this and you're really kind of drilling in, I, I kind of alluded it to a few moments ago, is this, man, if, if I'm more aware of how I bring the baggage to every relationship, have you ever thought, what's the point? Why would I even bother? Where's the hope that I can even continue my relationships? Enoch, if I'm really the problem, then maybe I, the whole world would be better if I wasn't in a relationship at all. I've been there. I think that is a sign of depression. And I've definitely felt really down in the pits and extremely blue and depressed at times. I thought, you know, no one cares about me. Everyone's better off without me. I, I mean, I've even had probably some thoughts of maybe, you know, harming myself when I was younger. This, this is a really real thing that at least I've struggled with. But we can have hope that God does care about you and me, and therefore he cares about healthy relationships between us, and therefore he's going to hear our prayers to protect us from evil, and he's going to bring people into our life to give us that feedback. How can we get the assurance? I mean, some of us have been burned in our relationships, and some of us have done the burning, you know, in those relationships. And we might feel horrible. We feel like we don't deserve it. We might feel like it's, it's, there's no hope. But now we come to the final part of the psalm. Because in this third point, we're going to see how David helps us see that there is a hope. There's a reason. How can we, why can we trust in God to actually respond and hear our prayers to help guard us and help provide us the constructive feedback or criticism that we all need spiritually to grow as people? We see here in the final couple of verses of Psalm, take a look at Psalm 141, beginning in verse 8, where it says this. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the liquid fall, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. He's saying, God, I declare you as a sovereign Lord and the refuge. I'm asking you to guard me from the evil for myself and bring correction. I'm also calling out to you to protect me from the evil from others. Because, yeah, other people can be threats or challenges to our lives and healthy relationships. But do you understand the character, the character of God that David sees? He says, you are sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. He's crying out to keep me safe. He's trusting in God. And that's our third point first point was this great threat to our healthy relationships it's me the evil the selfishness that i'm capable of and bring to every relationship so what is one of the ways god prescribes that is to have this humble spirit to say god i need correction and to me that's a miracle that's a minor miracle where god softens the human heart to actually say i don't want to receive correction i know i need it but i don't like getting it but god can you soften my heart and can provide me not only a person who can give me that correction, but provide me the kind of contrite, humble spirit to receive it, this kind of spirit your son has. And why can we trust in him? Because God, you are our refuge. You are a strong and good God. You're a God that I can depend on. And this is why this sermon is not just kind of a self-help sermon. This hope for healthy relationships is not about trying harder in 2024. This hope for healthy relationships is not about finding the right people so you can have better relationships because you have better people in your lives. This is a hope about a God who transforms people. How do you transform a relationship? Yeah, you could definitely modify the way you communicate and interact with each other, and that's good, and that's helpful. But God's way? 
How does he transform relationships? He transforms relationships by transforming the hearts of those people who are in those relationships. We live in a really, really challenging world. It doesn't take much of an internet search to see the wars, the conflicts, um, the big picture issues of issues and justice and righteousness and safety in the world, all these other things. There's a lot going on. But all of them at their core, every single conflict, every single war on some level boils down to relationships. So putting it quite simply, and I don't, I don't think this is an exaggeration, the world's safety and future rises and falls on the health of our relationships. And I don't know about you, but when I read in the news or when I talk about different things, different relationships with people in countries or groups of people, or when I see in my own life, family and friends and neighbors and people at church, there's a part of me that says, you know, like, where's the hope we can get this? This is so difficult. But what I'm always struck by with is this, this humble spirit that says, God, I can't change a single person out there. I can't even change myself. But with your strength and grace, by faith in Christ, I ask you to keep me from evil. And the beginning step of that is about turning one's life over to Christ. This is not just God helps you, gives you a little, you know, little relationship boost. The real way to appreciate this and experience this is to say, God, I need you. I don't just confess the evil in my relationships. I confess the evil in my selfish human heart. If you want to learn more about what it means to have your heart wholly renewed, transformed by Christ, then, you know, reach out to the folks here at Hope Church, Rhode Island, or someone who invited you, or next time you're in person, and to ask them to tell you about the story of Christ and how you can find power, not just for relationships or your whole life, but as we think about our sermon series on healthy relationships, let's remember that as much that the circumstances can be challenging, and as much as there are, yeah, kind of people that seem more difficult, one of the greatest challenges to any healthy relationship you or I will ever be part of is not just out there. One of the greatest challenges to any healthy relationship is right here. And the more we understand that, the more we will say, God, I need you to change me. I need you to help me. And one of the ways God uses to change and correct people is by bringing to us other people. And so the tech, a next step could be, God, what is a relationship that you're inviting me to have an honest look at? If I had hope that you are as powerful as the resurrected Son of God should be, then what is a relationship that I would dare ask you to help strengthen or improve? And in the course of that, who is someone that I can say, would you please help me by giving me feedback, giving me correction. I know I may not like it. I may not be good at it. You might give me feedback once and I, it may be a bad experience, but I'm, I'm, by God's grace, I'm helping because I, can, I believe God is our refuge. I believe he's our strength and our hope. And I believe in the hope that he has to transform our relationships because he is a God who is seeking to transform our lives, every single one of us. And that's the invitation each of us has. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, as we think about healthy relationships, Lord, there's so much we could say, but perhaps this starting point might serve people to consider, Lord, as much as we want you to change other people and make our relationships better by fixing other people, Lord, I, I am struck by the thought that I bet you people are asking, God, please change Enoch. Please change that person. And so maybe instead of us just asking you to change other people, God, which is good and can help, we should also invite you to guard us from the evil that we're all capable of the evil that we all struggle with in our own hearts. And one of the ways you've done that is to make the human spirit humble and contrite to receive and welcome correction and feedback and to acknowledge, Lord, that you've placed us with other people so that we can hopefully 
help each other out. So help us to be better and gentler and humble and receptive at receiving correction. Help us to be more tactful and wise and gentle in perhaps offering that correction. And help us to do all that with the hope that you are our refuge. You are the rock to those who find that there's nothing else they can cling to. You are God. And it is because of you that we can enter this new year with hope. It's because of you that we can have hope for our relationships that wherever they are today, that you would allow by your grace to all of them move in a way that is healthier, that we might have greater joy in, in those relationships and that you might be honored and glorified through all those relationships as well. We thank you and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Enoch always does an amazing job at teaching God's word. We're so thankful for that powerful word that Enoch had brought for us. I hope that you really did take advantage of that connection card. There is a link there. And here, here's what you're going to do with that. Will you find the link and click on that? And on that will open up a digital connection card, and that will allow you uh, multiple things. One, it lets you uh, let us it lets us know how to pray for you. And here's another thing that you can do with, hey, pray for me. Maybe you want us to pray for you in an area of where God may be calling you to serve. So we want to pray very specifically with your name and God, will you show, um, and then your name, where you are calling them to serve. We want This week as we gather, we're going to pray for that. And if there's something else that's going on in your life, we want to pray for you. So please use that. But don't miss the opportunity for those next steps. There are three very clear next steps. And, you know, I know that one of them, I mean, what would it look like if every one of us invited somebody to give us input, feedback in our relationship area and how I am doing? So um, what a good next step. I, I trust that you uh, will take advantage of that. Well, uh, today, as we wrap up, I just want to go back to Psalms 141. And, and I want you to look at verse number three, Psalms 141 and verse number three. And will you let this be true in your life this week? Will you uh, receive this prayer? Lord, set a guard for my mouth. God, will you do that this week? Will you guard my mouth in my relationships? The words that come out, please, may they be edifying. May they build up. And Father, will you keep watch at the door of my lips? God, help us in this area of relationships. And may we, as a church family, no matter where we are or find ourselves this week, may we be looking for ways to build healthier relationships. And God, if we are the obstacle, Show us. We pray this in your name. Amen.